Hello and welcome to Succeed Through Speaking, the place for experts and entrepreneurs who want high-value ideas to boost business results. Hello, I'm Tom Bailey, and in today's Speaker Stories episode, I'll be getting to know Meredith Elliott Powell, who is a sales strategist, leadership expert, certified speaking professional, and also an award-winning author. So Meredith, hello, and a very warm welcome to today's episode. Thanks so much, Tom. I'm excited to be here. Thank you so much for being here. And just out of interest for everybody listening, whereabouts in the world are you right now? You have actually caught me at home today, which okay. is a rare, mm-hmm. a rare sighting. But I live in uh, Asheville, North Carolina, so I'm in my home office. Amazing. I guess um, after the pandemic, you're probably out and about a lot more as a speaker than you were over the past few years. Yeah, absolutely. Right. So I'm trying to just share a little bit more about you before we do get started. So Meredith has been voted one of the top 15 business growth experts to watch, one of the top 41 motivational speakers and also a Hall of Fame speaker. And he's really passionate about helping her clients to learn the strategies they need to turn uncertainty into competitive advantage. So as always, we're going to dive into the topic of public speaking today. I really want to find out more about Meredith's story. So I guess my first question to you is, How important has public speaking been to you throughout your career? (laughs) You know, what a great question. I feel like it's been incredibly important. I mean, Mm -hmm. even when I worked in the corporate environment, if you can speak, number one, you become the expert. People look up to you. People are, are, um, are looking to you for information, but the other, it's the power to, to influence and, and, and to shape. So I think it's an incredibly important uh, skill to have especially in today's environment. Absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, this podcast is called Succeed Through Speaking. I really do believe that, that if you can learn how to speak and articulate your message and and drive um, people, then, yeah, it's going to be a really important part of your life as as a business person. Absolutely. So I want to just take you back to the beginning. Um, Some of us are feel like we're born public speakers some of us start off with a little bit more fear and anxiety when it comes to speaking so what was your earliest memory of having to stand up and speak and deliver a presentation and and how did it go yeah I was a painfully shy uh shy child I mean really the last thing I ever wanted to do was get up in front of um of people and my first really recollection of it I guess is probably in the third grade when we had Mm -hmm. to get up and read uh book reports and I was terrible. I mean, yeah. number one, I read the entire presentation. Number two, I didn't sleep for days yeah. uh, before it. Yeah. And um, I would I would kind of classify it as a really bad experience. Yes. Yeah. And I can really resonate with that. Um, you know, a little bit about my story. I've always had social anxiety. I became an expert at avoiding public speaking and <laughs> at, at all costs because it just the same feelings of I went bright red, my hands were shaking, I was you know, warming up under the collar. Um, yeah, it was, it was, it was frightening. So I guess, did that stay with you throughout school, college, university? And at what point did you feel like, do you know what, I can't be this shy person anymore. I need to use public speaking to help me progress. Yeah, I had, um, number one is the only way I got over my shyness was I'm blessed to have been born to a mother who insisted that it was my job to learn to introduce myself to people. It was my job to learn to have conversations. It was my job to push myself out of a comfort zone. So I'm sure that it took like six or seven years, but Mm. I eventually 
became less and less shy because she would not accept it yeah. as something that um as a limitation yeah. uh, of of mine. I love that because I really learned that you can condition yourself to do anything. But it really wasn't until I got into, you know, it was into my 20s mm-hmm. that and I'd taken my first job. And my boss was really very heavily dependent on upon me to get new initiatives up, across to the organization. And I started to craft uh, conversations with people and lead team meetings and things like that. And it slowly began to become a natural uh, process for me. And if I if I had to look at anything, um, I became I understood it was more about the message than it was about me. That's where the shift. Came. I love that. Yeah, I love that. And a lot of um, a lot of fears and a lot of limiting beliefs come from the amount of pressure we put ourselves on us. We we feel like we might get judged. We feel like we might get embarrassed. We feel like we might make a fool out of ourselves. Um, so as soon as you can shift the attention of yourself onto the message, the audience, the value you're adding, yeah, that will really, really help. So I love that. Um, and you also talked about the conditioning almost. You just need to do it over and over and over yeah. and over and over again. And the first 10, 20, 30 times you do it, it's going to be awkward. You're going to go a little bit red. But you soon soon realize that it's not actually that bad. No one's going to die here. Um, yeah, so I really uh, like that message as well. That is so true. You know, it's funny. You mentioned that I, I've been inducted into the Hall of Fame. And my speech when I was inducted into the Hall of Fame, I reflected on my very first professional keynote. Mm-hmm. And my very first professional keynote, I had 45 minutes. I had 52 slides and I used 11 point type. It was horrible. It was absolutely awful. Versus you fast forward now, I speak in front of thousands of audiences. I don't use any PowerPoint. Mm -hmm. I, you know, talk very, I couldn't have gotten there without those beginning failures. And I think embracing the fact that the only way out is through. You yeah. have to be a bad speaker in order to become a great speaker. I love that. Embrace the amateur phase because yes. that's where you're going to learn your craft. And and don't feel like you have to go through your amateur phase on the big stages. You know, right. find, find local venues, speak in front of three people at, at your old school, maybe. You know, just, just get yeah. out there and start speaking and, and, and learn the craft, I think, is really important. Yeah. And yeah, I, I would, I would really agree with that. Your dog is a wonderful listener. Yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. I love that. And I think that's one of the big problems here is that, um, you know, especially people with anxiety and fear of speaking is you're almost waiting to be perfect before you put yourself out there and you'll be waiting forever is I guess the reality here. So yeah, that's really important as well. Mm-hmm. You mentioned a pretty bad keynote and some of the lessons you learned from that um since that first pretty bad keynote to now have have there been any other big speaking failures disasters or or lessons learned along the way oh you know there have been there have been so many i mean some from that very first was that um i thought i was speaking to get information out and really the truth is people can google anything that you're talking about yeah so you're speaking to to make an impact on people, to help them understand they need to make a shift or yeah. a change or to yeah. take action. And so how I crafted a message became less about the information and far more about the delivery. My very first keynote, I was focused on delivery. The other is that um, I'll never forget this too. I'd probably been been speaking within my job 
for about five years when uh, the CEO of our company introduced me before a speech and I was scared to death. Mm. Um, and he got up there. Now, this is a man who's highly successful, incredibly well-educated. He did a terrible job of introducing me. It was really bad. Like he knew it. Everybody knew yeah. it. But for him, he just put that in the past and yeah. he moved on. Like he, yeah. the moment he stepped off that stage, he could have cared less. Yeah. And I'll never forget that. The people who are successful take stock of a mistake and then they let it go. He did not obsess about it. And that sort of gave me a freedom to mess up and to experiment, which is part of the path you have to take yeah. to get comfortable at anything, but really at speaking. I love that. One of the speakers that I've spoken to before, um, they keep a tally of mistakes they make and they want to try and make at least 10 mistakes every time they speak because it's wow. almost like they're allowed to then make mistakes because they're creating that space to do that. You know, they might not always make 10 mistakes, but by trying to be perfect, again, you're not going to do it. So allow yourself to make a few mistakes, I think is, is important. Yeah, I would I would definitely agree with that. Yeah, perfect. Um, so I think we've kind of talked about the, the getting over the fear, and I think that's that, that's been resonating with people. Um, let's talk about people who are maybe speaker curious or early in their speaking career. They're not yet getting paid to speak, but they want to become a keynote speaker. They want to get paid yeah. to speak. They want to speak at big conferences. What advice would you give to somebody to transition from that just getting started to actually I want to have this as a, as a career? Yeah, well, number one is you need I just so funny. I just had this conversation with somebody the other day and I said that you need to embrace the fact that you're probably not a very good speaker right now. Yeah, um, even if it's a natural talent, even if you're comfortable, it's not there. So take this first year and go to your rotary clubs, mm -hmm. go to your church, go to anywhere you can get a crowd of 25, 50, 100 people and and see what resonates um, yes. with people. You yeah. know, um, you have to get really good at telling stories. So mm -hmm. take an online course or hire somebody who can help you understand that. And then you're going to need assets. Yeah. You're going to need videos. You're mm -hmm. going to need one sheets. You're going to need the things that are going to encourage people um, to hire you. Yeah. And then the last thing I'm going to say is make sure you want to go down this path. Yes. Because speaking, I do probably a third of the time. Yeah. Running my business and selling myself are mm. what I do two thirds of yeah. the time. Yeah, yeah, perfect. Yeah, that's the thing. It's, it's a big commitment. And um, speaking, there's a lot of travel. There's a lot of time and energy, and it's not just the actual sixty minutes you're on stage. It's all of the preparation and practice and everything that fits around that. So yeah, really, really good um, point to make there. Um, one thing I was going to ask, and I, I tend to ask this to a lot of people, is how important is it to niche down to a particular topic as as a speaker because i think some people would think they can be general business speakers and um, some people really think they've got to speak about a very specific niche what what's kind of your advice on that yeah is that i think you need to speak on solving a problem yes. like people if people don't understand why to hire you they won't hire you unless you're some kind of sports celebrity yeah. or you know something like that but um, my career really took off when I really started to talk about turning uncertainty into opportunity. Yeah. And it took me a long time to niche down that. But mm. now when people are looking to solve a particular problem, they come to me. So I wouldn't niche on sales. I wouldn't niche on leadership or anything like that. 
But what is the problem you solve? Is it helping people get to the decision maker? Is it helping people perform better? Is it, you know, is it literally how to build and scale a business? Like Mm -hmm. what challenge do you solve? Yeah, you do. Now, I talk about a lot of other things, but I get through the door with that initial problem. Yeah, yeah, I love that. And I think, again, a lot of speakers tell me about the importance of adding value to the room as well. So if you're solving a problem, you're therefore adding value to the audience. Um, I think that's that's something about getting referred time and time again as a speaker as well. Because if the room walks away with some new value, some new information, something they can go and implement to solve a problem, they're going to talk about you to their colleagues as well. So yeah, absolutely. Really important. Perfect. Thank you so much for that. Um, now, I briefly mentioned the pandemic in the um, start of this conversation and pretty transformational for the speaking industry, you might say. And how did you transition during that period to go from stage speaker out there in person to having to do it all online? Yeah, you know, I, um, I, well, the first thing I did was freak out like everybody did. Yeah, yeah. You know, I literally sat in front of my computer and watched all my revenue. Yeah. Um, So I did my very first, I had a program go from in-person to virtual Mm -hmm. and I, it was awful. I mean, once again, learned through failure. I sat in front of my computer with the zoom background and my head disappeared and my hands disappeared (laughs) as I did it. You know, I've never been, never been hired by that client ever again. Um, But, uh, but I stopped focusing on myself. And I started focusing on my clients and it was from my clients that I found the path. I just decided I'm going to make myself crazy. If I worry about how to pay my bills or how to deliver a virtual keynote, Mm -hmm. I'm just going to start talking to people and people would tell me what they needed. And then I would go figure out how to solve it. it. So people would say, we need a professional looking keynote that really gets people engaged. Okay, great. So I called a studio. And I found a studio and then I started doing it in studio. And then people would say, we need a professional looking keynote, but we don't have enough money. We can't pay a full fee note key. And I thought, okay, I've got to figure out how to build a studio in my home. Mm-hmm. So I built you know three iterations of, 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 you know, studios in my home. I was okay with failure though. And I think, again, that's so important. I mean, I remember the first time I used the Ecamm. Oh my, I was just dark on the screen. I didn't yeah. even know what I was doing. Yeah, so yeah. being comfort in that people more than they want you to be amazing and professional and valuable. They want you to listen to them and they want to see that you are going to the mat to try to help them. So again, I got the focus off of me. I listened to what my customers needed and then I filled the need. And I had my best year on record the first wow. year of COVID and my second year. So Amazing. I think one little thing that I took from that as well is sometimes just say yes and then figure it out afterwards. Yeah, oh, completely. Um, yeah, and that, I guess that's a bit of value for any business, not just speaking. You know, just just say yes and then you'll figure it out afterwards. Brilliant. Yeah, I yeah I would agree. I'd also add I was completely okay with letting go of the way I had been doing business. Yeah. So many speakers I thought were just sitting there going, "Well, we're this will be back in a few months. I don't have to do anything different." And that was a mistake. I mean, mm-hmm. you need to realize the marketplace is moving. And when your customers are asking for something different, you need to respond. Yeah, yeah, no, I completely understand. And one quick question, I want you to take it back to that conversation about being a paid speaker. So there's also a transition point to people where they've been speaking for maybe one or two years for free. You know, they've been trying to make revenue on the back of speeches, you know, in terms of 
upsells or, or get people to have a call to action at the end. Did you have a, a transition point where you said, I'm going to start charging for this? Or was that quite easy for you? Or, or what advice would you give to somebody who wants to start charging to become a keynote speaker? Yeah, I didn't even know you could charge to mm, yeah. be a speaker yeah. at the beginning. You know, people, yeah. I was working as a strategist. And mm-hmm. People would say, would you come and talk to us? And then somebody knocked me, um, you know, tapped me on the shoulder and said, did you know speaking was a profession? And I said, I had no idea. And they said, you should go to the National Speakers yes. Association. So I went to the National Speakers Association. And that's where two things. I not only learned how to price a keynote for yep. the level and experience I had, mm-hmm. but more importantly, where to find the clients yes. that could pay me. Yep. And you, so it's a combination. I mean, you have to know what you're doing. Like I couldn't go straight out and start charging people $20,000 for a keynote. Nope. I didn't have the experience or the assets. So what should I be charging and what does that look like? And then where do I find people who pay and how yeah. do I approach them? Yeah. I learned that all through the National Speakers Association. I love that. Yeah, so you don't have to figure it all out on your own either. There's, there's advice out there, guidance. There's people that have done this before. So yeah, reach exactly. out. Exactly. Yep. Fantastic. And um, it's been amazing, amazing speaking. You've got one final question, which is if anybody wants to book you as a speaker or find out more about you, where should they go to do that? Well, I am a big believer, build your network, change your life. Yeah. They can find me at my website, which is valuespeaker.com, just the words valuespeaker.com. And the social media channel I tend to live on is LinkedIn. So connect with me on LinkedIn. I would love that. Amazing. And what I'll do as well, Meredith, is I'll put the links to those two locations in the show notes. People can just click on those and, and dive right in. That sounds fabulous. Awesome. So I just want to just thank you again so much for your time today, for sharing your story and also for just sharing such great value with our audience. Great. Well, thank you. It's been really fun being here.